Welcome back, everybody, in the New South Conference. I'm so excited to be with you again for another service today, our final one, service three, in our series about how he is faithful. And I'm going to throw up the three theme scriptures so that we can read it along together. And it's Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9 in the NIV. It says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He's the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Amen and amen. My name is Jonathan Sixtos, youth pastor and associate minister with Good News Church in the Victoria, Texas area. And we are so excited to be able to do this kind of uh, virtual distance thing here where I can share the word of God with you, even though we are a few thousand miles apart. And I wish I was there with you at Eagle Ridge Retreat Center. It's beautiful and we will try again next year we'll see lord willing if everything works out but i'm going to go ahead and start wrapping up and i want to kind of talk about the things that we have covered so far i'm going to throw up this slide here about our big ideas So as you can see, we talked about the first service, that he is real. He can be counted on. He is dependable, that he is a solid rock, that the word of God is true and it is true forever. And it is reliable. You can trust in it. You can stand on it is what we talked about last time. Well, I preached myself happy last time. And then today we're going to be talking about how he is relevant. And that's a very strong word, relevant. But we're going to jump right in with a word of prayer if you would join me. Father God, we thank you for today and the opportunity to share the word of God, that there is no distance in the spirit. Lord, I pray that your word would move mountains today as we trust in you, as we rely on you, as we remind ourselves that you are still as relevant today as you were when Jesus stepped out of the tomb. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to go ahead and direct your attention to a scripture here. I want to point it out. We have our theme scripture about how God is a faithful God, a loving God. He's faithful to a thousand generations of those who love him. But I want to direct your attention to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 27. And this is kind of a segue from our service last time about Peter and how he was able to follow Jesus out onto the water. And and we say, well, Jesus walked on water and then Peter walked on the word and he was able to stand. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on this strong revelation because we know that God, the same God who created the heavens and the earth, he has power over the winds and the waves and everything that's going on. But I want to look at a particular parable that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 starts like this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it." And I'd like to begin today talking to you about 
expiration dates. And I'd like to tell you a story. When I lived in uh, San Marcos, Texas, going to Texas State and getting my teacher's degree, because I'm a full-time high school teacher now, I had a roommate and we were both come and go. We were super busy. And there was a time, one time, where I walked into the apartment and I smelled something. Something was a little, a little off and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. So like Toucan Sam used to say in those cereal commercials that I followed my nose wherever it goes. And I actually found in the very back, deep, dark, shady shadows of the back pantry, a bag of potatoes. And not just any bag of potatoes, right? I could just pull one out and whip it up, mashed and everything. These potatoes were oozing. That's a very, very descriptive verb, isn't it? Oozing. These potatoes were oozing and they stunk. And when I pulled them out, they kind of made a noise like this. See if I can do this little ASMR on the mic. They went and just kind of unstuck from the bottom and just kind of dripped all. And I was just like, uh, uh. <laughs> those potatoes had gone bad. See, there's a time and a place for everything. That's what the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes. There's time and place for everything under the sun. And the time had passed on that bag of potatoes. Oh my goodness. It was like a, like a musty, pungent, I don't even want to think about it, much less describe it. But it was gross. Those potatoes had gone bad. And the thing is, there are seasons for these fruits to be harvested. My, uh, my mother's had a garden for several, several years, and so we notice that there's times and there's seasons. There's seasons to plant. There's seasons to harvest. There's seasons where, man, we have so much, we got to give it away. we got to bless people with it. And that's why God loves to bless us, too, to see us living that generous lifestyle as well and blessing those around us. But I wouldn't bless nobody with these potatoes because them things stunk. Oh, my goodness, it was bad. And I was beginning to think as I was preparing for this message and thinking about the timeliness of the Word of God and how God is still relevant. He's real, He's reliable, and He is still relevant. The thing is this, those potatoes went bad because they were left alone. They were put in the back of the pantry and we forgot about them. We didn't use them when the time was right. So they spoiled. We didn't use them when the time was right, so they spoiled. Then we had to clean up a mess. I mean, I mostly had to clean it up. I think they were my potatoes. Who knows? It's all under grace now. <laughs> but you think about the world that we live in, and there are a lot of people out there who want to treat the Word of God like it's a bag of potatoes. Let me explain what I mean by this. I want you, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, you can swipe on over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And we're going to start in verse 7. I know that you, most of you who grew up in church, you've probably heard Hebrews 13, 8. But we're going to read 7, 8, and 9. All right? If you've ever heard that joke, why is 6 afraid of 7? <gasps> because 7, 8, 9. Uh, it's, it's funny for little kids. If you're still a little kid at heart, you, you enjoy it like I do. I love jokes and puns and having funs. So Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 7 in the ESV reads like this. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you, the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And verse 9, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by food, which have not benefited those devoted to them. So we always read that verse like, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like he still has his, his beard and his mustache. He still has his flowing hair. And he still looks the same. We think that Jesus still looks the same. But what this Bible is telling us is that Jesus still acts the same. The same Jesus that walked on the water, he still has that power. He still has that authority. In fact, at the end of the book of Matthew in chapter 28, in verse 16, Jesus has risen, he's triumphant, he's already spread the message, and he's about to ascend to heaven. In verse 16, now the 11 disciples, because, you know, one of them got hung up and he wasn't able to join them, went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. In verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. We're at the end of the book of Matthew, and still some people doubt, like, wait a minute, Jesus, didn't they nail him to the cross? Didn't they put him in the tomb and the stone? Some still doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So when people say, you know, that the gospel and religion as they see it is old-fashioned you know we have a lot of culture war going on where people say well that's old-fashioned well you know you can't tell me how to live my life and i've got freedoms and i've got rights and they forget that these rights are god-given right in the declaration of independence that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Notice they didn't write down, we are endowed with inalienable rights by our governor, or by our king, or by our congress. They said by our creator, because the founding fathers had that realization that all men were made with a purpose, like we talked about in the first service. Made, known, appointed, called, like when Peter, he said, Lord, if it's you, then bid me come. And Jesus said, come. And the Bible says, even before you were born, I appointed you. I consecrated you. We all have a purpose. And I want you to know that that purpose is still relevant today. Now, if you don't know what the word relevant means, and all of this has kind of been for naught because you're like, yeah, okay, he's real. Yeah, yeah, he's reliable. Yeah, he's relevant. Oh. <laughs> To be relevant means that it is applicable to what is happening at the time, in the moment, in your life. For example, if someone tells me, hey, be careful out there, it's going to rain in Chicago. Well, I'm down here in South Texas. That's not relevant to me. Or if someone says, oh, you know, it's going to snow today up in Minnesota. <laughs> well, I'm down here in it's Texas. It's hot. It's always hot down here in Texas, right? Even in winter time, we celebrate Christmas wearing shorts and drinking lemonade, ice cold lemonade. Or let's say someone says, "Well, man, I can't believe it. There was a a, a rainstorm. We haven't seen rain around here in, in three months in Southern California." Well, that's that's not relevant to me because it doesn't apply to where I live. The problem is. Many people treat the Word of God, 
like that bag of potatoes and say, oh, it's not relevant to me. It's, I don't need that. I just, it, doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't, I'm just going to let it sit there. And if it's not used in the proper time, then it's not the potatoes that are going to spoil. The Word of God never spoils. It's us. We're the ones who are going to spoil if we don't use what is necessary in the proper time. And a lot of people don't think that the Bible is relevant because they think it's too old. They think it's a storybook. Maybe you have even thought, well, you know, that's, that's someone else's faith. But we just read in Hebrews 13, and I'll go ahead and click on over there. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. We have a myopic view generally, culturally, nationally, of what is going on around us. If you don't know what that means, it means we're very short-sighted. Trust me, I know, because I wear glasses. So I want you to do an exercise with me. However far you are away, I want you to find a source of light, whether it's a light bulb, whether it's a window, whether it's this computer screen or a flashlight on your phone, and I want you to hold your hand out at arm's length, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to put your thumb over that light source. Now chances are at this distance that doesn't do anything, right? Like, oh, okay, well this doesn't cover up the light. But now I want you to do something else. I want you to bring that thumb and I want you to bring it right up in front of your eye. Oh well guess what? Now I'm covering that light source. But did the light source get any smaller? No. Did the light source get any weaker? No. But all of a sudden, when I'm looking and I have my thumb right here, it seems a lot darker, doesn't it? And the problem with a lot of people's perspectives, I don't like to say the problem with people, but the problem with their perspective right now is that there's a lot of darkness in the world and people are saying the world's in darkness and chaos and pandemics and looters and rioters and all these different things. But we are simply looking very close up at the problem. If we put things in perspective, then we will never lose sight of the light. I'll say it one more time. If we put things in perspective, then we will never lose sight of the light. Remember last time that we spoke, we saw Peter sinking because of what he was thinking. He looked at the things around him instead of looking at Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. And if we're looking at the storms that are around us and we say, well, the Bible's not relevant for me. You know, I'm not marching around a city and singing Joshua in the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. But we are marching around strongholds in our own life, strongholds in our school strongholds in our culture maybe there's strongholds in your family and you're believing god to break those generational curses well guess what look to your elders like the bible said and see the outcome of their life what does that mean that's a far off perspective let's look at the outcome let's begin with the end in mind i'm a drawer i'm a doodler and the worst thing for me is when I start drawing and then I come over here and then it's time to connect the lines and I'm like oh man I lost sight of the picture and now the proportions are wrong now it looks kind of disjointed but if you lose sight of the long term you can mess up the now 
And that's why we're talking about today that he is relevant because we know that God's good. We know that God's been good since the beginning of the the universe. We know that he's reliable. We know that he was there for the saints of old in the Bible. But sometimes in our fast-paced culture, we can forget that he's relevant. We can say, yeah, God, you know, on Sundays and yeah, you know, when my Sunday school teacher and we do the Bible trivia and I'm like, I know the books of the Bible and Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all, all this stuff. But if we don't apply it to our lives, you think about this, you can be a doctor and if you don't take care of your own body, you can still get sick. And you can know all the stuff, right? You can know, like, I know, you know, that the the leg bone's connected to the thigh bone, and the thigh bone's connected to the hip bone, and I've got my PhD and all this stuff. But if you don't apply that knowledge, you can still get sick. And what I want to talk to you today is this here. The Bible was written in past tense, but it was written for your present and for your future. It was written for your present and for your future. And I want you to write this down, especially in the time of uncertainty that we live. We live in times of uncertainty. The whole world is fluctuating. I've gotten so many emails today. Well, we're going to do this and back to school. Actually, we're going to do this and back to school. Actually, you know, the state said we're going to do this and back to school. And when are we going back to school? Let's push back when we go to school. And then we have sports teams that are all over the place, and we're going to get started again. Oh no, this team got sick. We're going to hold off on that. And the whole world and all of its reliability and everything that's going on is shaken. But here's what I want you to write down. The future is secure, even if unclear. The future is secure, even if unclear. Remember that illustration we just did a while ago where I asked you to kind of cover up the light? Well, guess what? The light didn't go away. You just lost sight of it because something was in the way. And I don't want the cares of this world, the the worries that we face, the the 24-hour clamoring for attention, your attention, to get in the way of that. I was having a conversation with some of my family members about Facebook. Yes, I'm that old. I have a Facebook, right? But you can also apply this to TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, WeChat, WhatsApp, whatever it is that you do. Kick, Tumblr, if that's still a thing. I don't know, MySpace. Does anyone out there have a MySpace? I don't have a MySpace. That's way too old. AOL Instant Messenger, right? The little running man in the triangle. It's like, you've got mail. So whatever it is that you interact with people electronically, somebody say, well, I don't have to pay for that. It's a free platform. No, 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 no. If you are using something for free, you are the payment. Think about that. Facebook takes my information, reads all of my business, and says, we're going to sell you to advertisers. We think you're the kind of person who would want this. The other day I was like scrolling through my Facebook. I'm like, oh, that looks really interesting. Or, oh, that ad, that's kind of cool. Oh, I'm really tempted to click on that. And then there was one about like specials on women's clothing. That's not, that's not for me. <laughs> so Facebook doesn't always get it right. But you think about it. You, you were so used to like people say, I just thought about something. And all of a sudden Amazon's sending me ads. Well, what you type in the Google search and the ads that you do click on, they tell people what you're interested in and then they advertise more stuff. 
If anything is free, you are the product. And people forget that. Sometimes online we're not as secure as we should be, or my friend has this app, so I'm gonna download this app. Like a couple years ago, it was all the rage for people to say, I wonder what I'm gonna look like when I'm 70 years old. Let me do the whole face picture thing. And then we found out it was by some Russian company and they own all of our pictures now. We can never get them back. And we're like, oh, well, no. <laughs> but we were so caught up in the moment. We were so caught up in, in what was trending that we lose sight of the long term. I mean, a 12, 13 year old is not gonna worry about, oh wow, let me download this app where a bunch of creepers can follow me and send me private messages. No, they're thinking, let me download this app where I can look like a dog or a baby deer and send pictures to my friends. Because it's trendy, because it's timely. You think about this. There have been a lot of apps, a lot of social media platforms, a lot of businesses that used to be amazing and then they crash. You think about and you look around at all these companies that used to be powerful national economic powerhouses and now they're going bankrupt, belly up. I was reading an article the other day about the last blockbuster in the country. And everyone's like, blockbuster, what's that? I mean, Netflix killed blockbuster, really it did, like it, it's dead. Because times change and things change but there's something that is not going to change. And that is how relevant that the Word of God is in your life. People who are going through the Great Depression, they could have stood on the Word of God or they could have trusted in the economy. People going through World War II, because for a while, we weren't doing so hot in World War II. They could have trusted in their military might of their country or they could have trusted in the Word of God. And we, in the society that we live in, the country and the world that you're growing up in, it looks so different than it did 25, 50, 75, 100 years ago. And if we are just building our houses on what is relevant at the time, we're going to lose sight of the long-term perspective. If you say, well, I believe whatever's popular. You see a lot of politicians who say back in the 70s and 80s, I stand for this and I stand for that. And then in the thousands and the tens, 2010s, they're like, well, I've learned and I've progressed and I've become more open-minded. You know, they became more open wallet and the people paying their bills wanted them to kind of change course. But the Word of God does not change based on your opinion. The Word of God does not change based off of the trends of the time. And when people say, that's so old-fashioned. No, it's not old-fashioned. It's timeless. People say, well, God is love and, and Jesus loves everybody. And I can break this down very simply. When they brought a woman to Jesus who was caught in the act of adultery, which a lot of people don't think is a sin anymore. They're just like, oh, well, you know, it's not called adultery. It's, it's called polyamory. It's called an open relationship. It's called being explorative. It's called an entanglement. When they brought the woman who was caught in adultery, because it is what it is, so mind your own biz, they brought this woman to Jesus and they said, Jesus, the law of Moses says that we should stone her to death. What do you say? Here they go, trying to trap him, trying to get him caught up in the trends, trying to say, we're going to get Jesus on record so we can dig up these old tweets later and destroy him. Cancel Jesus. But what Jesus says is timeless. 
He says, you who have no sin, cast the first stone. Uh, so they go, right? Because they none of them are sinless. And Jesus is the only one who could cast the stone because he is sinless. And he asks the woman, woman, where are your accusers? And she looks around and she's like, I don't know, Lord. Notice she calls Jesus Lord. She offers submission. She recognizes he's in a position of power. Not abusive power, but redemptive power. Righteous power. Influence. Jesus was one of the OG influencers of his day. And he didn't use it to sell products or to jump on the bandwagon or get people to click on his merch shop. He did it to deliver truth and life to people. And here's what so many people forget because they're like, well, if you don't have sin, cast the first stone. Jesus could have cast the first stone, but he didn't just leave her alone. He made it known that she needed to change her lifestyle. He says, neither do I condemn you. Condemn you. There's a difference between judging and condemning, right? Judging is making a judgment. You make a judgment when you drive. You make a judgment when you catch a ball. You make a judgment when you're like, is this somebody that I can, you know, really trust in? Like, trust fall. You wouldn't just do that to anybody because you make a judgment there. Hopefully, you wouldn't just do that to anybody. Just walk around trust falling. But Jesus who makes sound judgment, also has the power to pass sentencing. That's the difference between judging and sentencing because people are like, the Bible says judge not. No, the Bible says we don't have the power to condemn people. But Jesus clearly says, you shall know them by their fruit. And he says, judge not lest you be judged. So people who think they can sentence people like, well, I look at you on the outside, you're going straight to hell. I can tell I'm good like that. But the Bible also says that man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesus, who has the power to condemn, who could have been caught up in these winds of doctrine, these strange and diverse teachings of the Pharisees versus the Sadducees, he says this, Neither do I condemn you. Now, instructions here. Go and sin no more. He called it for what it was. And yet he was still loving about it. Man, that's, that's a delicate balance, isn't it? He called it for what it was. Go and sin no more. He did not permit that lifestyle while loving her and forgiving her for that lifestyle. He delivered her from that lifestyle. And we think that in order to preach the gospel, we have to be hateful, we have to be against, against, against. Standing for Jesus doesn't mean that you are against everyone around you. But they're trying to shift the narrative and twist the gospel and twist values and twist what it means to be a man or to be a woman or to, to be married or to raise children. And people try and make the gospel irrelevant. The gospel is always relevant because God is a faithful God, a loving God to a thousand generations. And here's the thing. In ancient Israel, whenever a king would rise up and love God and deliver the people and everyone's like, yeah, God's favoring us so much. And then another generation that would come later that didn't even know God and they were carried off and they became slaves and, and they surrendered their authority to all these cultures. God was still faithful. God was still faithful in the Babylonian exile time of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God was still faithful before Moses showed up in the time of slavery. God was still faithful 
even in times of national peril to the nation of Israel. He still loved them. They were still his chosen people. And what can we learn from this? That even though things are going on right now that seem crazy, doesn't mean that God's not faithful. He is the faithful God. And we know that even if we're caught in the storm, even if we're sinking, he can pull us out. All we have to do is cry out and say, Lord, save me. So I want to challenge you today. If you think that faith stuff, that's old school. That's way back. That's, that's so out. What's in right now, this is the move. Well, some of you need a move of the Spirit. Some of you need to be reminded that God is still relevant in your life. Some of you, maybe you're, you're growing older and you're growing smarter and you're growing stronger and you think, man, I'm, I'm, I don't need this faith stuff. I, I, can, I got game, I got money, I got plans. Well, your plans, my mans, are just built on shifting sands. And unfortunately, that's not going to last as if you were building on a solid rock. One of my favorite hymns, it says, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. And that's the world that you're growing up in. A world that we celebrate people one, one year, and just a few year, years later we tear them down. Think about how people used to magnify these celebrities and now they're like, I can't believe this person. Oh my goodness. Well, they're horrible people. People we trusted. People we looked up to. People we admired. People we followed. And they disappointed us. Because if you put your hope in man, it's just shifting sand. Things are going to change in the world around us. You think back, pull out a photo album of what your parents and your grandparents used to wear. You want to talk about changes? You want to talk about irrelevant? Oh my gosh. I see some of those clothes. And some of it's coming back. A lot of things, they just kind of circle around and old is new again. They just came out with a new Ford Bronco. A lot of these styles and fashions, I'm like, where have I seen them before? Oh, yeah, black and white movies. It's coming back, I guess. But what is never going to change is how Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, he was there when God created the heavens and the earth. He was there to lift Peter from what was dragging him down. And he's going to be with you, scary thought, and with your children, and with your children's children. See, the God who walked beside you as a child is the same one holding your hand, and He's going to direct your future. And you will be responsible to build your household on the rock. And a lot of people, maybe some of you are scared. You're like, well, I'm so scared to grow up and get married because some of the marriages that I thought were going to last forever, they didn't last forever. I'm so scared to grow up and join ministry because some of the churches that I've seen and some of the ministers, they didn't last. They went south and not like the south will rise again south, like, like bad downhill south. We have to pick where we're going to build. And if you're going to go by whatever the trends are, whatever you see around you, whatever you think is cool and hip and happening, then it's going not to last. You think about the electronics that we have. Cell phones usually don't last more than a couple years. Technology is rapidly advancing and what we see now, it's old school. Somebody said the other day, oh yeah, my old phone, and it was only five years old. Now we think in phone terms, oh my gosh, that's so old. But the way that things are so rapidly advancing, you think about this, if you were born in 2008, 
or later, you've never known a world without the iPhone. But you go back a decade or two, and they didn't even have phones. I mean, the first cell phone was just like this huge, giant battery pack with an antenna that would like poke a bird in the eye up in the tree. And we see things so rapidly advancing. The Bible calls it this explosion of knowledge in the last days. And there's a tendency to think that things from the past lack value. There's a tendency to think that things from the past have outlived their usefulness. The gospel is not a bag of potatoes. There is no expiration date on the faithfulness of our loving Heavenly Father. And I wanted to remind you of that in closing. We've had some great times together. We've had a lot of fun. But I would not let you go without reminding you that the fun that we had online, which would have been at camp, is not something that you bury in your snap memories and revisit 10 years later and say, oh yeah, yeah, my hair was that color back then. Or you look back and say, oh yeah, I remember we went out there and man, that was a good time. The Word of God has no expiration date on it. Jesus said, I will be with you always even to the end of the age. I want to remind you of this, that God was faithful before you got here, and He will be faithful long after you're gone. In the span of eternity, the psalmist says, our life is like a blade of grass, here today, gone tomorrow. It's like a puff of smoke. You see it, and then it's gone. But the Word of God will remain And if you want to build something that lasts, if you want to rely on something, if you want something that's real and relevant, then you need to come before God and say, God, I need to read your word. I want to know what you have for me. It doesn't matter how old you are. You could be a freshman coming into high school. You could be a senior leaving high school. You could be someone who's thinking about marriage and children. You could be someone who's trying to figure out, well, I'm going into the sixth grade. What kind of was middle school going to be like? Your age doesn't change the relevance of God's word. Your age changes the way that you see God's Word. It changes the messages that you hear. We have a responsibility to get the Word of God inside of us. But I'm so thankful that I work with so many amazing ministers, even your leaders who are helping you to understand this Word at your age. Because the Word is relevant, but they're breaking it down so that you can understand it. I love to put it this way. The Gospel is always powerful but it also has to be palatable, which means you can eat it. It it is, I mean, not literally, don't eat your Bible. But when you read the Word of God, you have to be able to think about it, process it, metaphorically digest it. And I want to encourage you, whatever's going on in the world, this 24-hour news cycle and these celebrities that are up and down, and now we've got this breakout star and this video goes viral and then later on it's gone. Just like Vine. We always used to growing up like, oh, did you see that Vine? Did you see that Vine? Vine is no more. It's gone. And it didn't matter that much in the scope of history. But you want your life to matter. You find what God has called you to do. You do it. And even if no one remembers your name here on earth, the people that you disciple, the people that you pray for, the people that you introduce to Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, that will echo throughout eternity. And there's nothing more relevant than that. 
Would you join me in a word of prayer as we close today? Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to share the Word of God with our friends at New South Conference. God, I thank you that we have learned that you are real, that you are reliable, and that you are relevant in every situation in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just leave this here, but that we would sow these seeds in our heart and that it would reap fruit as we meditate on these words. If we've got to go back and watch these services again or share them with a friend, that we could help to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ because He was sent to us by a loving Heavenly Father who is faithful even to a thousand generations. And God, I just pray a special blessing over my friends and family from the New South Conference that they would be protected, that you would watch over them as we get ready to go back to school, whatever that does look like, and that you would favor them in every area of their life, favor them in their relationships, favor them in their classrooms, favor them on their sports teams, favor them in their families, God, and speak to them. Call them out upon the water, and that no matter what is going on in the world around us, that you are by our side. On Christ, the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you guys want to go back and watch any of these services, they're archived on YouTube, the same place you're watching this one here, that channel. And for the graduates, I'll be having a special audio program for you, a little bit different focus, but a little higher level thinking because you're moving into a new season of your life and the Word of God is still relevant for you as well. But thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to uh, the families that have trusted me to share this word with you. We are co-laborers in the gospel no matter how far we are apart. So I'm going to leave you with our big ideas and thank you New South Conference for tuning in and remember that he is faithful. God bless you guys.